Thank you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. We're broadcasting from the Twin Cities Film Fest studios. I'm Ms. Shannon. My podcast husband is right across the studio from me. Hello, Jayton. Hey. hey. Jayton Satia, the executive director of the Twin Cities Film Fest. Jayton, I'm very excited today because not only are we going to talk to uh, this week's guest geek, um, our friend Stephanie Allensworth. She has lots of projects that are going on right now. And one of the things I want to talk to Stephanie about today is uh, she's an author. And we have some other friends that are authors. And yes. I, I'm always fascinated when our author friends are at like book fairs and things like I that. I have always wanted to write a book, so maybe you can mentor me. Yes. I have a couple of ideas that I want to explore, but mm-hmm. I am not a, I'm not a writer. I barely read. So I don't know why I want to be an author. I just <laughs> want to tell a story and people are like you should just make a movie i'm like i know but i i think i need to write it down first before i can go to that step so jayton have you done any like screenwriting then have you done any form i read of enough form? no okay. i read enough and i know what i'm good at which is identifying the good characters and kind of building on those i just i'm not good at actually putting them on uh, in that official format we need to hire so. you a ghostwriter. I would, love, I would love to have a ghostwriter, yes. So we will actually talk to Stephanie. Stephanie has a couple of children books that are out, and she actually has another project that will be coming out very, very, very soon. And so I'm going to actually uh, bring Stephanie to the microphone in case she ties anything to weigh in on our first thing. So hello, 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 Miss Allensworth. Thank hello. you for joining us here thank on PR Geek. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And we appreciate because she is honestly like right she boots on the ground the minute she was done with that book fair. She came here to visit us. So I know it's a busy week. She brought treats. Yes. So thank you very much. <laughs> so part of the reason why I wanted to introduce you in case you wanted to weigh in is that we uh, wanted to talk about a film that. A little known film. A little in, known independent film. film. A little indie film called Avengers Endgame. Now, a number of our friends, Jaden, were incredibly jealous because you and I. Had a chance to go to a preview screening. I'm still it. getting hate mail. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys, you guys can see it this weekend. Just like everybody else across the globe. We were very fortunate to be able to see it, Stephanie, at a preview screening earlier this week. And then we both already had tickets for Thursday. For opening night. Yeah. Correct. And so we now both have seen Avengers Endgame twice. I might actually go see it tonight. Again. Ah, fair enough. And if I didn't have a gig, I probably would. So we are going to do a spoiler-free show. Yeah. But we do think that we would be remiss if we didn't at least give a basic review as far as our feelings and the tone and tenor of the film. Does that right make sense, Jayton? It does. Yeah. Because, well, just to give you guys a little bit of the backstory and what's going on with Avengers Endgame right now, it has already broken the global box box office record. Avengers Endgame has now made an estimated $644 million worldwide in the box office. And that it's Saturday. It, that's Saturday. Yeah. Two so days. We're not even close to over with the weekend. And so that makes it the biggest global opening in film history. So it now knocked off its predecessor, Infinity Wars. And the other uh, opening weekend internationally that was even close was 2017's The Fate and the Furious. Sure. And so we obviously... I mean, I just wanted to reminisce a little bit about what we felt like. Imagine Jayton and Shannon sitting around back in 2008, 2008. and going, Iron hey. Man, that looks pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Some people will go watch it. Robert <laughs> Downey Jr., he's got some pole. That's the comeback, the comeback yeah, kid okay. now. We learned that, you know, that was honestly his redemption tale is him coming back in that one. Obviously, we're not 
geniuses. We're no. just we're consumers at that mm-hmm. point in 2008. And again, they predicted Marvel was like, "This is what we're gonna give you the next decade," and we're all like, "What?" I mean, even just, just fans, give us the, yeah. even as fans, I think that we were still poking holes in this theory that there was going to be a Marvel Cinematic Universe and that they were really going to be able to fill all of these films. Have all of these ancillary products that we have as you know, as as Netflix somehow series, tied into each series, other, one-off web series, all of these things, and have this whole world make sense and culminate with a film. Twenty, you know, you know, twenty-two films later, we have Avengers: Infinity War. So, Jayton, were they successful in your opinion? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> If you were to say no, you are living under a rock. Yes. But again, it's from a business side. There's some geniuses that work in that world. They had thought about, the president of Marvel had thought about this since day one, right. since he had launched Iron Man. He knew exactly how every character was going to tie into each other. They knew exactly, obviously with Disney's power, merchandising. They knew exactly what time, what film, when it would get released. Um, there were a couple of pushes on like, hey, we're going to release this a little bit later than anticipated because also Disney also has Star Wars. So they were kind of messing around with that. But no, I I think this is exactly what they were hoping and predicting. But I actually think they are blown away by how amazing uh, the fan base has been around it. Right. Because again, with a hardcore fan base, you're always leery of one bad anything and everything goes downhill. I also want to give Marvel a lot of credit because even as a fan and a, and a reader of their comic books, there were still, if you're looking at the anthology, the 22 year, the 22 films that we have from Marvel, there was still some times where I'm like, okay, you're going to take that franchise? That's going to make sense in this storyline? And so, you know, even when I saw them promoting that we were going to have the Guardians of the Galaxy and promoting that we were going to have Ant-Man and have it be this heist film and these these different little spin-offs that they were going to have in the reason why they're going to be important in the franchise i was like i don't know if i see it but i'll give it a shot and now we're here and i'm like they have managed to create so many in this universe to be able to have different worlds that then eventually manage to meld together and it all makes sense and i am blown away with how well the uh the last two avengers films have managed to do that and to think about it, uh, out of those 22, um, different genres within that as well. You have, obviously, the heist films. You have action, of course. You have dramas. You have character dramas. You have comedies mm-hmm. thrown in there as well, which is like, how are how, how are you going to make a superhero comedic? Like, how is that even going to play? But with that with that in mind, they knew exactly when to release a specific film. And again, I'm going to go back to something that they, you know, at the base of everything is picking the right actor to play the right superhero. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think they could have done anything better than the exactly the characters that they select, the actors that they selected to play those characters. Right. As I look at even like the ancillary or the other, again, spoiler free, but you do get a little end credit, you know, homage and nod to a lot of these characters who may or may not be in the film, right? right? But the fact that they're saying thank you to all of these characters, and you look back, you're like, oh, my God, yes, he was this, and right. she was this, and it makes you reminisce, and I think they tie it in very well. Well, I um, am very excited. We know that we have four more television series that are coming out very, very soon. We know that we have a number of films that are already on the docket. And now, after well, Spider Man's coming out. Right. So that and one's that's going to be supposedly the end of phase three. Um, 
of the of the cinematic releases. And then we move on to our phase four, which I now have great hope for the future. Um, I do too, but at the same capacity, again, I'm sure they have it all figured out. <laughs> I'm confused as a fan to be like, exactly how are you going to progress some of these storylines Knowing that the that the cinematic universe has kind of ended this little particular. See, and I feel like I have more clarity after seeing Endgame. Uh, you know, I feel as though any of the characters that needed to be sunset, and again, we don't want to do it. I felt like it was sunset in an appropriate way that gave a number of things that I wanted to have closure for as a fan. I feel as though I had closure after this phase, and so it didn't leave me with a lot of questions. It left me with okay. I, I get it. You know, I felt satisfied. And I think that was one of the, the reviews that you put online is you felt satisfied after feeling this, seeing this I, film. I did. And satisfied in very different formats. Satisfied that they ended the, the, the series the right way. Satisfied in the fact that, the, yeah, without any spoilers, the people, the, the, the superheroes that survived, survived. The ones that didn't, didn't for a reason. <laughs> right. Um you it know, wasn't it was, just emotional. It it, just, they right. weren't just whacking people because we're like, we want you guys to cry. It wasn't like right. Game of Thrones where they just like, you like somebody? Dead. It wasn't Yeah, it wasn't an emotional pull. And I no. do agree with you in saying like, I do have more clarity on, after watching um, the end game, on some of the characters and where they're going to take the mantle and then move it forward. Now, that being said, in the universe, cinematic universe, there's always bad guys. True. Right? There's True. A, there always will be bad. He wasn't Thanos is not the only the only villain the only villain right. of course so knowing that i do think the cohesiveness of the 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 all fighting for one yes survival goes a long way in creating that character story moving forward it's like how are they able to move forwards but captain marvel mm-hmm. with black panther with some of these other um, um, hawkeye yes. right i mean knowing that the original avengers are quote-unquote broken up now. Right. right. Um, how are the other going to offshoot? So I'm, I'm curious as to what is going to happen, but I'm also confused as to exactly <laughs> what they're going to do with this. Well, I have some particular theories that I would be a fan of, but I am happy to move forward with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so I think... I'm bought uh, in. I'll, I wish I would have had some stock in it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you wish that you would have gotten this one in your fantasy, fantasy film league? Um, you know you yeah, want yeah, yeah. Who got it? Who got it? Yeah. The guy who won the damn fantasy. <laughs> um, we did actually did one uh, for for the summer, uh, and I ended up with Aladdin. Okay. Um, I have I I almost had Lion King, but mm. I had to give that up because it was going way too high of a price point All for right. me. Um, I got Spider Man. Okay. As All well. Right. So I feel very comfortable for the summer. I, uh, somebody got Avengers because, again, it's you still have the trail off of not the first weekend, but after that. Right. So it's still going to make whatever it's going to make. So Yeah. Um, this is one of those ones because it came in at three hours and some change. I can see you having to see it a bunch of times. So we both saw it twice and we're we fine with it. We both saw it twice, and I did not go to the bathroom either of those two. You're amazing. Times. What are you, a camel? What are you doing? <laughs> I, <laughs> How I, did I, you do I that? prepared. I, didn't, I was like, I'm just going to have to be very efficient when I go. So I had to bite my tongue on a couple of scenes because <laughs> oh. um, I was watching. Watching it with three three of my friends who knew that I'd watched the film already, and they were the ones sending me hate mail because I didn't invite <laughs> nah. them to it. Um, but I had to bite my tongue on a couple things. But I caught myself s- small little giggles. Yes. Right before something was gonna. Yeah, happen. that's what my friend or, and, and I took with and me I, as well. You know, I would uh, again 
without spoilers, I would go like, <laughs> and then 30 seconds later, something funny would happen. Because yes. I'm already playing that ahead in my head. And right. I literally got to poke in my little shoulders like, stop. I don't want anything. Because I wasn't laughing at it, but my friend did, because I intentionally, because I had some friends ask me for spoilers. And I said, I'm not doing that. Like, even once, the only person I did tell, like, I gave the whole rundown to my mom, because I know my mom doesn't care. So she made me <laughs> basically just tell her the whole movie. And I'm like, or just go see the movie. She's like, no, 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 just tell me. So I, had to took, I took pretty much like 45 minutes to tell her this three-hour story. Um, but that's my mom. But my friends, I intentionally, even the ones that asked for spoilers, Spoilers, I wouldn't give them to him. But my friend that I went with to went to the film with the second time, he said, you did a really good job of keeping quiet, but I could tell from your body language that something exciting was going to happen. Sure. Because you would like tense up a little bit, like, oh, like you were like paying more attention all of a sudden. You can't help it. Um, right. Have you seen the film? I have not, okay. but um, I was actually talking about it yesterday and wanted to. Uh, that's when I heard that it was a three and a half hour movie. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if my husband will sit still that long. You don't have to. You could just take a break, send him out to go and get refreshments, yeah. you know, go off, you know, go on reconnaissance and come back. So I don't think I'm spoiling this for anybody. Um, if you haven't seen the film and you are, again, I'm only, I think I'm doing you a service by saying this. So. Kill me if you if you want later. Okay, I'm but curious what he's gonna say. It is a because we're talking about how long the film is. Yes, it's three hours and five minutes. Oh. That's that plus the the preview commercials that you see beforehand because you want to get there and just watch the whole experience. Right. That's another fifteen minutes. So it does end up being about three and a half hours. Right. Total. It, even with credits, when you watch the credits, yeah, because yeah. we like yep. to sit and watch all the credits right. too. So this is my spoiler free spoiler. You don't have to wait until the very last frame of the credit. There is no Easter egg at the end of it. Oh. Because that's what we wait for. So if you want to go to the bathroom, go for it. Yeah. But that being said, the credits, I think, sentimentally, were accustomed to sitting through the credits. And they did a really good job. Marvel did a really good job in paying homage Correct. throughout the credits. So it's worth watching the credits. But if you're waiting until the very, 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 very last frame for an Easter egg, there isn't one. For all of my friends out there, here's what I will tell you as far as the, you know, if you were going to try and sit through the entire three and a half hours. Here, a lot of us know that that is a worthy goal and not going to happen. The thing that I thought was so different about Avengers Endgame versus Avengers Infinity War is that this has more, it's less of a battle film than Infinity War, so I'll put it that way. So there are some times where you're just like, you know what, I just need to bite the bullet and just go ahead and go and know that you can catch up. I guess there's some things where there's, you know, you don't have to race. It's just, okay, there's going to be, you really need to give yourself time to get to know all of our favorite characters again, and that's what they do at Endgame. So one of my friends, right before we went in, and I would never download this app because, no. <laughs> what? There's apparently an app called Run P. Yes. I've never heard of it until, okay. I, until he told me. And it's basically, you start the app. Like saying, I'm watching this movie starting now. Okay. And you start the film and it buzzes you saying, you can leave now and go to the bathroom because there's nothing, nothing, ma- important nothing major is going to happen. And while you're in the bathroom, it actually gives you a countdown, <coughs> a countdown and a two minute and two minute update, a text update of this is what you missed. Wow. So when you go back in, you're caught up in a text format to be like, 
from this these point to happen. from this point to this point, these two characters discuss this. Right, and this was the end of it. And then, so I'm like, first of all, watch the damn movie. <laughs> right, right. Second of all, the whole like pulling out your phone, like we're, we're like all these commercials are like be quiet and put your phone in your pocket and turn it off. Right. Like, this is the antithesis of that. Mm-hmm. To be like, I'm gonna get a buzz. How many times <laughs> you get a buzz in a? And again, I have my phone's always on buzz. It's never Correct. on ringer. So every time I get a buzz, I'm like, oh, I got an email or a text, or I'll take a look at it later. Um, because I'm watching a movie. That's right. something I love to do. Now, with this app, like, if it's going to buzz, I don't be like, is it, like, should I look, like, it's just more, it's weird. I would never do it, but I know that For some, some out people. For some out there, more tech It could also not like 100% it. of the movies out there are three hours long. You can <laughs> wait an hour and a half. You still have to go to the bathroom, prepare yourself. You, know, just, you know what your bladder looks like. I just know like. that life is short and I'm not going to stay uncomfortable over a film. Even if I love the film, I'm just one of those people that I'm like, I'm sorry, I have to go. And so I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to sit there and make myself miserable over a movie. And we were in a giant theater and I literally got the seat right in the middle. So, so regardless of which direction going. I went, I was going to have to bother 15 people. <laughs> yeah. <right>? <laughs> so <laughs> who, so who are going to love that, you're right? You're the good person on the plane that once you sit down, you just stay there. And I'm all like, I'll just try and time it. But I don't think we ever discussed go. this. If you got a choice, you get to pick your seat. What are you t- taking? Window, on an airplane? Yeah. Window, middle, or uh, middle. <laughs> window <laughs> or aisle. <laughs> I'm like, who picks middle on purpose? So, I don't know. I, I do, actually. Yeah. You do? You Why pick do you middle? Like I do. Why? Because I've got more room on underneath the seat in front of me because when you're on the aisle you've got like a half space True. okay uh, and the window space. is just like it bugs me having to get up or you know to have people move mm. so See, you get best of the both worlds you get your more more the space and, and there's only one other person and nobody move. ever no you know nobody will take those seats so i can That's always get, i can always get up as far ahead as i want as if i'll take the middle so oh, then i'm not way in the back because because i wanted an aisle very wise i Ms. prefer Adams, aisle right? You prefer aisle. Why? Uh, even though I don't really go to the bathroom, um, <laughs> it's the whole space thing. I'm mm. not tall, you guys, but mm. I like to have my feet in the aisle. <laughs> mm. So da- you're just in um, the way for the stewardess. <laughs> and I am a window person. Uh, I we all three could try yeah, together. So like, exactly. Just and nobody will even have to rock, paper, scissors. It. It'll be fine because I'm a window person. I usually do not have to get up very often. I do not feel bad if I do. I try to be as respectful about it as I can. But I like to just, I also, similar to Jaden, am not a very tall person. So I like being able to like snuggle up against the window sure. and just poke myself in a little corner. It's a built-in headrest. Exactly. And, and okay. just I like to just snuggle down and burrow in. And I'm usually fine over there in the corner. So good job. So we're like next time we're traveling. And I don't mind moving out. if I'm if I'm traveling alone. There's two strangers next to me. I don't mind getting up. Right. So that's also the reason I like the aisles. Like I don't mind it. Of course, you because I don't really go to sleep even on longer. It's like so I'm just always up. So I don't mind if somebody needs. To I get do. Up. I'm headphones on, head against the the, the oh bulkhead. headphones. Yeah, headphones nobody talks to head me. Head against the bulk the bulkhead yeah, for sure. Headphones Maybe the sleep. whole time. Yeah, well, if you try it, for me anyway, if you try and put your head against the, the window wall, whatever you call it, right? it's not really bulkhead, but it's, you know, it's yeah. plastic, and <laughs> it's just not comfortable. No. Oh. It's like, and it's, uh, it's a little colder, And too, in the middle, you, you need more you know. weave, Stephanie. I, got yeah. so much, I have a nice pillow that travels with me at all times, thanks to my hairdresser. Well, it, <laughs> they have the, most people, do, I don't even think they realize this, because I never see anybody do it but me and my husband. You can take the, the headrest, if you have them, and... And fold them up by your ears, and then you have this little built-in 
Headrest thing. Yep, you don't most, end up most... falling into somebody's lap if you fall asleep. Yeah. I've done that a couple times. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to have you on the show, Stephanie. We're going to talk to you about the book fair that you just came from, talk to you about the projects you have, and then we're going to cover comedy in our favorite comic book movies when we nice. return on BR Geek. Welcome back to Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something. I'm Miss Shannon, that's Jaden Satia, and now we are officially going to talk to this week's guest geek, Stephanie Allensworth. And so, Stephanie, thank you very much again for joining us. And so, Stephanie, you're an author. You have two books currently, right? Yes. And so they're children's books, right? They are. They're picture books. Yes. And so you have Mr. Hamster's Rescue. And a home for the Finch family. So what's the age group that you are targeting for those? Three to seven. Oh, see? So, Jayton, you're right in that, 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 that window. My <laughs> five-year-old loves to read, read books, and mm-hmm. he's now well, starting to read as well specific words. And so, yeah, I live in that. We have... I love the fact that we have so many books in our house right now. And my son is 11, but he's also on the spectrum. And so we are a little behind on some of that. So we're still in the picture book phase of things that we're doing as well. And so what made you decide that you wanted to write these children's books? Well, first let me say that um, as soon as we wrap here, I'm going to go to my car and I'm going to bring some in for you. Oh, thank you. As thank you gifts. Oh, we appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what made me want to do this, it's something that I've wanted to do for years. Yes. And I, cause a lot of people think that I just decided one day I was going to be a writer. Right. Well, I've had all of these stories written and I had them all in one big volume for a very long time on an old Presario laptop. <laughs> That's how far back we're going. Mm-hmm. And one day my, my uh, hard drive locked up and it was t- completely unrecoverable. Oh, so, goodness. yeah. So I lost everything. That must've been heartbreaking. It, it was okay. because I, I had been talking to publishers already, but I took it a bit as a sign that maybe it wasn't the time for me. And I, I didn't want to sit down and have to redo it. And I was going to do it all as one book and okay. all these stories that would have been each, each one, you know, is a separate story inside one book. Now I looked from looking at your website, it looks like these are kind of like true life stories. They are true okay. life okay. stories. Every one That's of my, perfect. every one of my books will be true life stories. Okay. So Mr. Hamster's Rescue, um, was the, the first one that I wanted to put out because it's a tribute to my dad. Oh. And because he, um, we had this, uh, pet hamster when we were kids and, who I lovingly call Mr. Hamster, but honestly, I don't even know if he had a name. <laughs> but uh, he he escaped. He was an escape artist. He escaped from his cage one day and disappeared. We had no idea where he was. Right. And two nights later, like my brother, because it was my brother's hamster, and my brother Ricky was just beside himself, can't find the hamster. We looked everywhere. And uh, two nights later, our dog, Jason, was barking in the middle of the night. Yes. And we went in and uh, everybody got up, The whole, you know, woke the whole household up. And we went and looked and he's on the second floor in one of the bedrooms barking down a vent. And because we had the old style heaters yes. that, that were floor vents and they're the big iron ones. And, you know, they take the vent off, take a, put a flashlight down there and there's a hamster at the bottom. Just hanging out. Just hanging out. But he's in the basement okay. and we're on the second floor. 
Huh. So, so that's quite the little journey. Okay, yeah. Same. Yeah. You know what? And so I'm going to pause you, got to MacGyver it. You know? I'm oh, going to pause you because this is going to sound like a giant left. But how on earth do you end up with a dog named Jason? <laughs> <laughs> that is like the least dog sounding dog name I think I have ever heard. That's another book. <laughs> right. That's another book. How we named our dog. <laughs> Uh, the dog before that was named Freddie, and okay. it was a female. So who knows? Uh, okay. We were kids. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Better left for the imagination, I guess. Right. Okay. But uh, so anyway, so Jason, you know, dis- discovered the, the hamster two days later. And my dad is like, I got this. Right. right. So he goes sure. he goes down uh, downstairs, and he comes back up. He's got a milk carton, a pair of scissors, and a big ball of twine. Yes. And he cuts out. The sides of the milk carton. Your dad's MacGyver? He, yeah, my dad became MacGyver that day. Okay. And uh, he made an elevator. <laughs> How cool is that? And yeah. we put some hamster food in the bottom of it. And the long, long string, you know, was to lower it down he the shaft. He made a little carriage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, ju- he hopped right in because there was food in there. Nice. And uh, so Jason, Jason was the hero and my dad was the hero. And, you know, we all lived happily ever after. Yes. What a great story. Yeah. And what a great way to... Again, share your story with the world with with, yeah. this, with the picture book. It was well, awesome. Yeah, thank you. I uh, dedicated it to my dad yeah. because he was always a very very creative person, and um, that was to me uh, it was a great fix and it's a great story. So I I that was the first one I wanted to share when I got back into wanting to do this. And so, did you self publish? I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how was that process for you? Because we talked recently one of our other friends that is a uh, a musician here in town, he kind of talked about the way that he's decided to distribute his mu- music. And so what's it like from the author's perspective of doing that? Well, I looked around quite a bit first, mm-hmm. and um, I ended up with Archway, uh, self-publishing house. It, it's a leg of Simon & Schuster. And I specifically went to that self-publishing leg because I already had connections <clears throat> Excuse me, with Simon & Schuster. So my my goal was, if they like it enough, maybe Simon & Schuster will pick it up and, right. and represent me. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a bit naive of me because, um, you know, in this day and age, it's all about your social media. Right. So if you don't have a huge social media following, they don't even look twice at you, okay. no matter who you are. So I had to start start my social media campaign and try to get hits and, you know, Instagram and, right. and uh, you know, do everything, it, not just to sell books, but to get the attention of the agents. Right. And I'm still not there. Okay. I said, I said, well, you know, I've got a couple thousand followers and they're like, try 25,000. <laughs> you're so killing cool. my groove, man. And you're killing my groove. <laughs> this is now a recurring theme because we had a yeah. similar conversation with Judd Haley, a good singer songwriter friend of ours as well in our previous episode. And he was talking about that as well is that mm-hmm. you are as an artist are working on whatever your craft is, but then you also have to go, well, am I posting enough? Am I building this presence enough? How am I actually? And he get had that? a PR team that came in with him too, and you know he's he's um, again for him he just wants to make good music, right? And that's why he's got supporters, professionals that are helping him meet those other goals that will get his music out there a little bit more. And so I have a question for you, because um, you can self-publish on Amazon too, right? Yes. Like, so how does have you taken that route, and has that been successful? I have no idea, because I think Judd talked about the micro micro sense to the dollar that you end up getting on Spotify. I'm not sure how versus that works. Amazon. Yeah, music I'm not sure how that works for published from an author's perspective. Well, I I didn't uh, publish on Amazon for my second book either. 
Uh, right now, I am uh, I'm with um, Ingram Spark, which is another self-publishing house, but it's the leg of Ingram, who is the biggest distributor of books. Okay. So, again, my 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 thought process is <laughs> if I can get in to the people that actually distribute the books, you know. Right. Uh, so, but again, uh, this this whole thing that happened is a switch in how uh, not only the television studios, but how music is being produced as well. There's no more... Uh, we, we, you know, scouts, they go out and scout you. Right. And you, when they're scouting you, they're scouting you on social media. Right. They're not coming to see your gig. Because they want to know that yeah. you already have a following. And right. And how they're going to be able uh, yeah. to spin In- that into sales. Instead of building you mm-hmm. uh, and giving you a package, you know, at the beginning, now you have to do all that yourself. And then they might come in and, and uh, you know, pick you up. But even with marketing for my books, even though I paid for... Uh, the publishing to be done. In the first book, I paid to have my uh, my illustrations done for me. And they won't market for you. You okay. have to do it all on your own. So you have to get out there. You have to do the social media. You have to, you know, hit the hit the streets, go to the book fairs, go talk the talk so and talk to the public. So this is, again, me coming in from a, from a business perspective, right? So let's just say you're the artist and you've created something that's worthy enough to be distributed through a distributor. Back in the day, they used to do all the work. They used to put the marketing dollars in you right. to get your your content out there and they would make money off of you and you would get, I don't know, 20 30% or 40%, but you didn't do the work. Hopefully, the business side also supports the artist. Now, if you're doing all the work, hopefully they're still not taking 70%. Good question. Uh, yeah, like how does that is that flip now? Because you're doing all the work, you're also taking a majority of those sales. Well, what would happen is um, if they decide to come in and represent you, and they're going to start marketing your book and representing you, then you basically have to sell your rights to them. Okay. Okay. So now then they buy you out. They they give you a certain amount of money, and you don't get any residuals until all of those books have sold. Okay. And so as soon as all of those books have sold, and they start buying more books, uh, then you start getting residuals again. So but, it goes or, back to why you would probably mark, continue to market yourself because you want to get past that threshold. Right. Okay. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Do you still want to write a book, Jay? Yeah, but nobody's going to read it. <laughs> well, me and my that. me and my 500 followers. <laughs> Um, maybe they'll all read it and give me a dollar. Well, Stephanie, your second book was A Home for the Finch Family, which sounds adorable as well. And you said you're working on a third one or you're done with the third one? Well, I've written it already. I okay. just haven't published it yet. Okay. Uh, the, the third one is uh, The Adventures of Sammy the Squirrel. Oh, nice. And it's uh, a baby squirrel that my sister and brother and I found when we were just little ones. And we brought it home and snuck it into the house and nursed it to health. And uh, the... It's pretty funny when my mom finally realizes there's a full-grown squirrel, squirrel running around our house. Uh, then I'm no spoilers here. I, I'm not. You have to wait for it to come out. Right. But it, but it, it's going to make for a good story as well, and it'll be a series because okay. I'll have the beginning of you know when Sammy's first found and you know how how he becomes a pet in our household. Right. And uh, then uh, a story about Sammy versus the hawk. Which is I'll uh, have to read that one first because I really do not want my son thinking that we should have a pet squirrel. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. we have enough like pets already. Yeah. I don't need any yeah. additional ad hoc pets. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then eventually Sammy goes off and starts his own family. So oh, it, it should be like a, it should be a three book series. I okay, that's great. And the, and the fact that you're able to again, these are your stories. I yeah. think this they're is, real. They're and I think this is where you're 
um, competitive edge, I think, over some of the mm-hmm. other uh, like authors, children's authors. And again, I have no idea if all those are true stories or not, but I think that's what you use, I, I would hope, to get the word out about like, these stories are happening all over the place with your you as well. Look at my story, and hopefully this helps create that artists, the future artists, to be like, oh my god, I love when I read Stephanie's book and I had this thing happen to me and now I'm going to write something too as a kid. So mm-hmm. I think that's your competitive edge. I mean, for me to know a little bit more, again, we always go towards the true stories or based on true stories. Right. And I watch movies. Again, mm-hmm. you, you used to be in the industry as well. When we watch something that is based on a true story or is based on true events or taken from something, you have a little bit more stake in mm-hmm. that story mm-hmm. before you even go into it and you're able to look past judgment because this actually happened. Right. So somebody didn't just make it up, right? Again, depending on mm-hmm. how much of it is false or not. So I think that actually gives you a stake in the uh, in the story as well. There's less judgment or, or um, you know, well, oh, why did you make yeah, that up? Well, that didn't. That's what happened. Stephanie, you really do like uh, exposing those real stories because that's your TV series as well mm-hmm. as real people. And so let's just tell everybody a little bit about your TV series. Well, uh, that's funny because I never really like put those two things together. Okay. <laughs> but thank Everyone's you for that. Now, on the back. That, I, I, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start using that. Thank you so much. For <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. We do a service here on BRG. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real people came out of me trying to uh, do a show for somebody else. I I wanted to produce this show and have somebody else be the host. I didn't want to be the host of it. And um, I I got a little bit tired of the diva personalities. Yes. And uh, just... it, I don't know. You just seem to argue too much with people about things as like, this is my show, my creation. I want to do it my way. So right. uh, so I teamed up with another producer and I said, you know what? I'm going to be the host. Okay. I was pretty rough when I first started. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty rough. I look at the first one and I think, oh, boy. You had to shake but, out uh, some cobwebs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that must have been an interesting transition for you because Jake and I both know you from when you were still basically a talent management mm-hmm. company. And so you would have, as you said, I'm like, I'm not sure all of your, your talent were divas, but you oh. sure probably were dealing with people that were that. So how mm-hmm. was the transition for you to go from – I'm the behind-the-scenes person to I'm the face of all of my own products. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. I like it because uh, it, it's me. Yes. Uh, it's me doing this for me this time instead of trying to do something for somebody else. And I think I had it took a universal uh, slap in the face to, to finally realize that this is what I was supposed to be doing all along, uh, writing the books as well. Right. So – it all it all came very organically out of the transition because when I transitioned out of the talent agency business, I have to say it was liberating. Okay. Like people think, oh, it was she failed, you know, and I've had people say, you know, snarky things on Facebook about it. But it's like, no, I didn't fail. I learned. Right. I learned a lot. And I chose to close it. Right. Nobody, nobody closed me down. I chose to step away from it. Right. So that I think that's very important for for anybody that knows me to understand. Are you uh, more of an entrepreneur uh, than a, than a getting, you have books and you used to be in the in, in the film and television industry and now you have your own show and 
you're looking at again as you're talking about more of the social media and you're trying to get your face out there are you how do you how are you now taking in who you are as a professional versus in the past obviously with you have so many things happening cuz i think didn't you also do a podcast or something you like you've been on a couple a regular host or something. Um, I've heard you a couple times because I've, maybe I've known you for a while. <laughs> I hear you a lot. He's following um, around stuff. But that being, that being said, so, how are you able to take the the newfound entrepreneurship or, or the refound love to get your name out there? It's me this time. Has that? How's that journey been for you to, to come out on the other side? And I'm assuming you're stronger mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it doesn't kill you, right, it makes you stronger. Right. So that's, that's, I, I don't know. I'm embracing it. I, I have to say, if I may, I just won three awards uh, for my, for my show. Should have led off with that. Yeah. <laughs> Award winning Stephanie Allen's right here, you guys. Uh, uh, tell I, us about those. Uh, I submitted uh, three of my episodes to the uh, Best of the Midwest Media Fest out of, uh, it's out of, Wisconsin, but it's all of Chicago uh, and all the way over to the uh, Dakotas. Right. So it's it's a big fest, and I submitted these as an amateur, and they called up and said, "Nope, we're going to move you to the professional category." And then I thought, "Oh no, you know, I I, sure. it, I thought now I'm going to be like competing with Chicago." Right. And you know, nobody else really scared me that much <laughs> <laughs> to Chicago. And all three of my episodes won the top award. Congratulations! <laughs> and I'm going. I'm going next month to the ceremony. And oh, wonderful! So tell us a little bit about the show. What if somebody watches? So what? What do they expect? It's a talk show, basically, and uh, I. I choose the people because I find something very interesting about them. They have to have something to share. Right. They need to be doing things, you know, for the right reason. The people that are giving back instead of just taking. Uh, I don't want anybody on my show that is going to be, you know, so self-absorbed that they forget what they're doing. And I would never invite them on in the first place if that was the case. So uh, the people that are working with charities, people that are doing – research into like clean water i've covered uh the opioid addiction i've covered um the sex trafficking and 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 even people like my friend barry zavan (laughs) loved having him on he's so awesome Mm -hmm. and um i've had singers like patty peterson on board and her show one one of the one of the awards i did it out of her home we we went on on site and Mm -hmm. taped that one and um, not, the one that I get a lot of a, a lot of f- negative feedback on, but I guess they say if it regardless, uh, uh, my episode with Hannah Kritzik. Yes, who we know, Hannah. We you know Hannah. her as well. Yes. Yeah, and you know I used to represent her at one time. Right, and <laughs> I've gotten over four thousand hits on that episode. Yes, and nothing but nasty comments. Uh, actually, mostly nothing, but mostly nasty. Every now and again, somebody will give me a, oh well, you know. Um, she did a, a really good job because, you know, the, <laughs> for Hannah, whatever reason. I love people, Hannah. And all these other haters are like, I love Hannah. You Hannah, suck. I want to kill you. Hannah I've had people difficult. say. <laughs> Hannah wasn't a diva, but Hannah was difficult because Hannah doesn't talk a lot when she's right. on air. She right. talks a lot off air. She's oh. a fantastic young woman. Fantastic oh, yeah. young woman. The minute and the cameras were off, she jumped out of her chair agreed. and started blasting. And we're like, quick, turn it back on. <laughs> that happened to us as well, is right. that we accidentally ended up having to pivot and talk about something else. 
because once we started interviewing her, mm-hmm. she kind of clammed up on us. And mm-hmm. we were, like, very surprised that that was the case. And mm-hmm. Jaden and I can talk to ourselves for hours, yep. so we were mm-hmm. fine. Yep. But same mm-hmm. thing is love yeah. Hannah. But yeah. Hannah does not talk once the mic is on. She, yeah. I think there's just something about her. But well, she has to warm up. Yes. And you so, have to warm her up a little bit but before the cameras But we can't all come. have an episode. You, we mm-hmm. can't all record for three hours so that we can get 20 minutes of hours. Yeah. Or 20 minutes of content from a guest. So how are you able to take the negative comments or any kind of comments again if you're putting yourself out there right you you if you're putting your face out there your na- it's my time my right. show you're gonna get those right so how are you able to take that the, the feedback i'm just gonna leave it at feedback whether it's mm-hmm. positive or negative mm-hmm. because you're getting a lot of it now because you are the one there's no there's no there's you're not, not a filter. That there's says no filter. Else you're not behind it. a company. You're not behind a mm. board of direct. Like it's you. Um, talk about how have you taken that so far? And well, the very first one was horrible. I mean, I, I I was like hurt right down to my soul. Like okay. oh, maybe they don't understand how well I know her, and right. that you know I I tried to keep things rolling because I had to fill in the quiet spots. Right. And uh, you know I've had people say something as stupid as well, why was she in at a big chair? You should have put her in a small chair, and all this other stuff. Right. And I just thought, okay, I actually I go look at their pages and think, yeah, right. Okay. okay. <laughs> Basement dweller. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trolls so, are terrible. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm happy every now and when I see a, a positive one, and, uh, and my my producer just says, "Hey, it doesn't matter, good or bad. People are watching, and attention. that's what's important." Mm-hmm. So think, imagine all the ones watching that aren't saying anything. So right. and that's the thing. Like the again, when you, I, I equate that to when a truck is driving down the freeway and it says, "Call me, call you know, how am I driving?" Right. And there's mm-hmm. a phone number. 99.9% of any calls that go in are negative. Mm. Like, if it sounds like you're driving awesome, like, the likelihood of me calling that number to be like, this driver was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to be following him for a while. Right, right. <laughs> to go, this counts as amazing. So, that zipper merge So, to know best. that there are probably tons of people out there that just liked watching the show. That particular episode mm. or just you, they're just not commenting. Because right. I know that I comment on things that are more personal than anything else like otherwise you're making content you're reading something it's my choice to stop watching it whenever i want right i mm-hmm. have that ability nobody's right. forcing me to watch this and you're not asking for feedback yeah well just to note um i submitted hannah's episode as well and one on that as well right. so mm-hmm. <laughs> that See. was that was all the feedback i needed you gotta be doing something <laughs> right you know before you were coming on the show stephanie we were talking about some things that you would like to talk about on be your geek that maybe might be outside of your projects and we were talking about uh comedies and we ended up talking about film comedies and two of the ones that you sent me when i asked you to do um a list of some of the newer films that you thought were your favorite comedies right now. You picked both Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. movies. And so are you a big geek fan in general, or did you just really resonate with the Guardians films? Well, I'm not I'm not geeking out on, right. on the Avengers like you guys are. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen them all. Yes. And I agree that, that they... A lot of times they were very serious. Like right. there was, they weren't injecting any comedy anywhere. Right. And then it's like it slowly crept in. It started. Right. They started to actually write for it and and add the comedy. Now I would much rather laugh than cry. So, right. um, so when they, when I started seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy and oh my gosh, the the characters, the the actors. I mean everything you were talking about earlier. Everything just melded right. perfectly. And 
uh, I, I can't even tell you. I even named, uh, I grew an avocado tree and named it Groot. <laughs> Well done. So, yeah. well done. He looked like Root, too, when it actually sprouted. It was hilarious. It's going to be your next book. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. My Little Groot. My It'll be My Little Groot. Yeah. Well, I would actually go in the same realm. When they started injecting comedy into this, again, we're talking about the Marvel Universe. There's obviously more, more comedies out there than that. Right. Um, I'd gravitate towards Thor Ragnarok. You know? By the time we got to Thor, and I'll even go a little bit earlier when we had the first Ant-Man movie come out. Sure, yeah. Um, and I do think that we did notice a big difference, and the way that they started collecting the directors did the films for people who could go through that gambit of emotion. So not only could we have humor that was in it, but they could do the opposite and get you to the point where you did want to cry or you felt right. some sort of emotional tie. And so that was when I was very proud to talk to my non quote unquote geek friends and go, no, it's just a good movie, especially in, in, and, and Jaden's heard me say this before 70, by the time we got to black Panther, I'm like, this movie is just solid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, there's a lot of the things that you normally want to do with a movie and put a, la- a, a label on it and go, it's a great black film. It's a great superhero film. I'm like, this is just a great movie. I'm like, it's a great movie, and you can whether you get the character or not, you'll still enjoy the movie. But I think that when we started looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the other thing that I thought was interesting is the way that initially DC tried to counter-program mm-hmm. to the way that Marvel was, as they put it, too funny and too corny and too this so they were going no we're going to take this very seriously and we're going to create this dark world and and they did try to come up with a different methodology which i mean i don't think i'm the only person says i don't think that it worked not the way no and they're realizing that right i mean that's why wonder woman was what it was and aquaman right yeah and so you know even justice league like and i feel like they noticed that maybe with these kind of films or maybe it's a, a combination of what we have going on in the world, if you want something that has wide appeal, it does seem to me that right now wide appeal movies have some sort of humor injected into them right now. So do you go, you know, as you said, Stephanie, you like you rather go laugh versus crying. So when you're looking at, you know, you go, I, I have a TV show that I have to produce. I have books to write. I have a very limited time that I can be limited entertained. Limited time? What? Right. <laughs> Who in this world has limited time? So when you're, when you see a trailer for a film, do you go, this looks like I'll come out of it smiling or, you know, how do you, you know, what actually draws you in? Well, that's a really good question because okay. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the magic is for me. Like I, I'm a total geek when it comes to space balls. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I, anytime that comes on, I'm watching you're it. You're stopping what yeah, you're doing. I'm okay. stopping what I'm doing and I'm watching okay. it. And I laugh at every single one of the... the <laughs> every joke. The, the, the every, yep. Yep. You're yeah. still looking at and Barf going, Barf is the best. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, not <laughs> here, mister. <laughs> this is a Mercedes. <laughs> That's so, like, I, I repeat these lines over and over and over again, much like people did with Airplane. Remember right. when Airplane oh God, came yes. out? Or you know, Naked be, Gun or yeah, anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're repeatable lines, and and yeah, sure, I'm stealing them, but right. people but always people laugh. People know it, yeah, yeah, and they know it, you know, <laughs> and, and it's something that's memorable for a reason. And I do think that, you know, that's a very good point that you bring up. Most of the lines that I think are quotable lines that we say all the time are comedies. Like, mm-hmm. do we know anybody? Can you think of anybody right now in our little friend group that goes around quoting 
dramas. Like I don't know, <laughs> like like who's sitting around with the you know rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. Right, that's probably yeah. the only one. What else? What else do we can we think of anything else? But comedy again, just to kind of hit it again, comedy's harder coming in from an actor perspective. A, a comedic actor is a comedic actor. You right. can't drama I think is a little easier. And again, every art and every genre is hard. But I my personal opinion is it's harder to make a really good comedy right. than it is to make a really good drama. Well and I can I can add on to that as to uh, what makes a comedy work and what it doesn't on a global perspective mm-hmm. because comedy doesn't always sell in the same, you know, you can't be funny about the same things. The jokes don't always work in different areas, right. even in the United States. The East versus the West, the North versus the South. But then you go overseas, go international with it. Well, they don't get it at all. You right. know, you might be saying something that's very insulting to their people or their culture. Mm-hmm. So the key is physical comedy. Right. You have to be physical. <laughs> if you want something to sell overseas, you have to do more physical comedy than jokes. It's more okay. slapstick than anything else. I mean, I see that with any of the... Um, I grew up in India, right? So my parents had these Indian channels and majority of the stuff that they watch, even from the soap opera's perspective, right? even from the drama's perspective, is those... Like, I look at that stuff, I'm like, and I laugh, and they're like intense moments. And I'm like, what is this? Because I don't get it, right? It doesn't translate to me. But a comedy translates to me because okay. it is more comedic. It is mm. more slapsticky. It mm. is more, it more, it's more physical. You're yeah. absolutely right. Dramas just don't translate for me. I'm like, that, that's a horrible camera angle. It's just so it's, <laughs> it's you're picking it apart. It's a telenovela, right? And it's like one shot. It's like, takes 30 seconds for this one action. I'm like, what is happening right no, so you're more likely to get taken out of the film when Correct. it's a comedy. You're like, okay, well, I get it, or they made me laugh, Correct. or it didn't. No, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I think uh, comedy is harder, but it, again, in, in, it is universal. Just mm-hmm. like music in you is universal. I, I was going to ask you um, uh, for your books: Are you looking to go international with them? Are there going to be um, other forms, like an audio book or other things that could? May, maybe have a wider appeal to international audiences? Well, they're available worldwide right now. Okay. So, uh, because they're on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and all of these other ancillary sites. That everybody's got the ability to order the books and sell them through their sites. Uh, as far as changing the language, uh, I, I don't know. I, I do know that over in uh, China and Japan, Hamsters, because of their um, their small size pets, you know, their pocket pets yes. kind of a thing. They're very. If you go on Instagram and look up, you know, people's hamsters videos, right? You would just die laughing because there's so many people overseas with hamsters as pets, right? Like it probably outnumbers American hamster lovers like so by a million to why one. Why don't you just release your book in like China and just well, have well, it be a global <laughs> sensation? <laughs> well, I actually, I just started. I just started looking at Amazon um, Prime Video. Yes, and sure. I, I, I actually put up my first couple videos, uh, just in the UK. Uh-huh, That's nice. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so, amazing. Well, you can make it. You can include this new web series, and then we can push them over there and do a little test market. Yes. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. tell everybody your website, Stephanie. Where's the easiest way to find all things that have to do with Stephanie Allen's work? StephanieLeeAllensworth.com. And you said you need more Instagram followers. Can we find you on Instagram and, you and can. Facebook? Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's there's two Instagram pages. So there's Books by Allensworth. Okay. And that's just my books. 
and uh, Stephanie Allensworth, which is my personal page. But I, sometimes they get commingled okay. because I don't remember which one I'm logged into when I post. <laughs> Fair Welcome to our world. We can do that as well. yeah. One audience to the other. Yeah, and I have three Facebook pages. Okay. So my personal one, one for the show, and one for the book. So. Well, we will make sure that we put all yeah. of those links on a BR Geek, and we'll put all of those on there. We also want to remind people that we have some great things that are coming up with the Twin Cities Film Fest. No, we don't. Yes, we mm. do, including... It's almost sold out. That the, show is almost sold out. Is it? Okay. Blackmore, yeah. The show that he's talking about is The Secrets of Blackmore. We have a screening that is coming up on Wednesday, May 8th, here in the Twin Cities at the Heights Theater in Columbia Heights. To remind everybody what The Secrets of Blackmore is, is it's a two-hour documentary that explores the real story behind the evolution of the game Dungeons and Dragons. So it starts with these fellas that were playing this game here in the Twin Cities yep. that 10 years later ended up being Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. So we're going to do a question and answer with the folks from the film. We're Cast and crew is going to be there. It's going to be amazing. So it's going to be at the Heights Theater in Columbia Heights. And you can get those tickets if you go to TwinCitiesFilmFest.org, and you can get information about what we have going on. We're coming up on our 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 giant celebration in October. In October, and actually, I want to talk, throw out another quick event to uh, the film festival. It's all sort of again, we're we're very conscious of our community and social justice causes. As as you again, if you've been to the festival, we focus on a specific social justice cause. So as you were talking about sex trafficking and addiction, those have been our causes in the past year. This year happens to be environmental responsibility, but we had an opportunity to partner on an event that is not necessarily a festival event, but we're just helping spread the word. It's for United Nations Minneapolis. Okay. The hmm. event uh, is around the global campaign of He for She. Um, gender equality movement that United Nations Global has launched an online campaign. They have chosen the the, the United States chapter, quote unquote, have chosen the Minneapolis location to launch the physical event in support of the global campaign. Okay. So we're going to be partnering with United Nations Minneapolis to partner on a he for she panel discussion where we're going to have three male panelists. We're going to have a um, keynote speaker. Um, she's an author and an award-winning um, uh, TED Talk speaker as well. We're gonna. The United Nations Minneapolis is actually going to give, give away Gender Ally Awards at this event. It's on May eighth. Okay. It's at Parallel Cafe. Okay. Um, I think it's the same night as, as Blackmore. As Blackmore. But I definitely wanted to kind of put it out there. If you, for some again, Blackmore's almost sold out. But let's sell that thing out. But then, if you are interested in kind of this social justice topic, it's going to be a parallel cafe. It's right next to the Twin Stadium. Um, and it's uh, if if you just want to reach out to me, um, Jaden Satia seventy nine on. Um, Instagram, um, I'll get you guys free tickets and everything for that particular. Uh, we just want to have a good crowd there. Is Should that up fun. on your website as well? Um, we're going to push it out to all of our database okay. um, coming up next week. So um, if you go to TwinCitiesFilmFest.org, just sign up for our e-newsletters and you'll get something in the, in the email. And again, we mentioned that you can find Stephanie at StephanieLeeAllensworth.com. You can always find our show if you go to Be Our Geek Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at BeOurGeekShow at gmail.com. So thank you very much for joining us, Stephanie. Jayton, of course, I will see you in a couple of weeks. And to everybody else out there, we appreciate you being part of Be Our Geek Show. And we'll see you next time because everyone's a geek about something. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.